Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world, and building community. We love this local store, and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus, they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information. This is the Storied Outdoors podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. Welcome to the Storied Outdoors. My name is Brian Gill and I am joined as always by my friend and co-host Brad Hill. We are so excited today to be joined by Dr. Brian Toon, Assistant Professor of Computer Science at Sanford University. And you may be wondering what a professor in computer science is doing on an outdoor podcast. Well, Brian is not only a brilliant professor, he is also an avid cyclist. And when I say avid, he is at a different level. Um, I mean, I would, I would venture to say probably in the 99th percentile of cyclists in America uh, recently, Brian comp- competed in the 2023 Paris Brest Paris cycling event. It's a 761 mile ride through France where he finished the endurance race in under 59 hours. Um, we're going to get into that more uh, during this conversation and, and much more. But first, welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Man, uh, seven hundred and sixty-one miles. That's uh, that's a lot of revolutions of your crank and a lot of a lot of wheel revolutions. Um, and you saw a lot. You crossed a you know a seven. I mean, seven hundred sixty-one miles is a long way, but that's across a country. That would be through several states. You know, <laughs> depending on what direction you go here in the U.S. But you saw a lot. You experienced a lot. Were there any were there any close calls during that race for you? Uh, no, I mean, the, the, there was so many people, there was 8,000, 8,000 people was the field limit. Um, but I think it ended up being about 6,500 people wow. that actually showed up and did the, the race. Um, did all 6,500 so, of those finish? Uh, no, I think only about 5,000. Wow. I think it was just under 5,000. People finished. from all over the world all over the world and that was one of the best parts was i mean i got to ride with people from uh, you know austria uh france the philippines uh sweden finland there were so many different countries um and it, it was just great too and english was kind of the common sure. language cut because of the international nature of it everybody was kind of speaking english so i didn't really feel left left out although i did learn some austrian from because i was riding with a couple austrians who who were talking back and forth to themselves and i was like hey teach me something <laughs> you know we gotta do something while we're out there riding <laughs> yeah so yeah that's a long time man i mean 60 60 hours is you got to fill that yeah. with more than more than just uh pedal strokes right 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's incredible. So no close calls in six, 761 miles and 5,000 Well, riders. I mean, there was one. I, I saw one guy um, in a group when, when I was actually really struggling fairly early on. A faster group caught up to me, um, and I tried to hang on, and I – it was it happened to be right as we come into a town and so we're, we're flying through this town and i was i was just kind of drifting back <laughs> i was like okay this is not gonna work out um and a guy fell it was, it was only a few riders in front of me and i'm not 100 sure what happened um mm. uh, but he he fell off to the the my left um and he he got back i mean he, he looked okay yeah. um yeah, but he, that was that was the only wow. wreck I saw the whole out of all those riders, all those people. I'm sure there was probably a few sure. more, but that was the only one I saw. Especially, I mean, watching Tour de France. I mean, there's always tra- there's odd, there's odd traffic. Yes. There's odd traffic. You know, furniture they call it traffic furniture. And, so, and that I mean, was that, that was gonna a, sneak up on you. Honestly, that was kind of a fun part of this though, because it, you know the Tour de France is well known for that. And here I am in France riding through these towns, dodging traffic furniture. And I'm like, wow. All right. So tell us, tell us like what traffic furniture is. Uh, those yeah, of us yeah, who yeah. aren't as yeah, big probably. of a cyclist. Yeah. Uh, well, so they have a lot. And a lot of times it's for, um, you know, these, some of these towns are, are fairly old, um, you know, and they've, they've updated the roads over the years, but a lot of the roads tend to be narrow and they try and guide the turns. And so they'll put, barriers in the middle of the road that that kind of direct the traffic yeah. and when you, when you're riding especially in the big groups when you're in a big group you you can't see that that coming you're kind of trusting so those people in front of you right you are trusting those people and it was really good and that is maybe a little bit different i'm sure it happens in the tour de france you know they they communicate as well but you know we're all looking out for each other we're all on the same team basically yeah. well, you and know if one falls we're, a lot of other people fall too i mean yes uh, yes and, usually uh, I, would, I would think yeah, so uh, you know that it was nice. Everybody calling calling out the stuff, but it was also you know exhilarating, if you will, sure. to to be flying through the, the roundabouts. You know where the classic you split and go on both sides of the roundabout oh, and come it. back together. The overhead views <laughs> of that during Tour de France to watch see those overhead <laughs> so, views are incredible because so they're going so cool. fast, right? Yes, That's yes, awesome. that was quite the how experience. much how much elevation gain did you guys experience over seven seven hundred sixty miles? I mean. Beast. So I think it ended up being about 35,000 35,000 feet. feet, you know, 35,000 feet, a little bit more than, you know, climbing Everest, Everest. From, from sea level. <laughs> you just rode Everest on a bike. Hey, are you on Strava? Oh yeah. Did yeah, you get yeah, like, did you get like credit for the Everest challenge? I mean, <laughs> Oh no. Well, you know, with the, the, they have some specific rules about that and okay. everything. I guess technically, I technically like, this would have qualified as an Everest. No, I think the time limit. Okay. I think the Everest. Like, surely you got a badge for that, man. 35,000 <laughs> feet of elevation. And that's a lot of climbing. Yeah. But, uh, I, I have actually done a number of Everest things though. The more traditional ones, wow. the, you know, where you're doing a, just one climb over and over and over again. I've done a few of those here in Birmingham. Incredible. So you don't, you don't just say, Hey, I think I'm going to go ride across France in 760 miles. There's a lot of, there's a lot of training miles that leads up to an event like that or the race across America. So there's a lot of time in the saddle, though you didn't have any close calls on the, the France Perry breast Perry, but 
mm-hmm. I'm sure you have over the years that you've riding. I'm sure you've probably had crashes as many miles as you put in on your bike. What have those, yeah, what have those I mean, like? I, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I used to race quite a bit more and you, you crashed all the time in races, you know, the, you know, where you're, uh, the criterium races, the, the short, the short lap base races where everybody's diving the corners as fast as you can and everything. Um, yeah, I crashed a number of times. I, I used to race the Athens twilight race. It was a very popular race over at the university of Georgia, Georgia right there in downtown Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, that course, um, that they, they get the, they get the whole university involved. There's, there's so many college students out there and then all the cycling, uh fans and family and the, the cyclists who have raced during the day i mean you, you easily get several thousand people lining that one wow. kilometer course wow. um and that was so exciting just sure. to 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 ride that but one one year i crashed three times in that race and i never even hit the ground i, I landed on top of other people oh, all three gosh. times and, and <laughs> mm. um but you know that that was a little bit of luck too because normally you you end up losing some skin when sure. when you fall like that um yeah i heard, but, I heard one guy he was asked all the time there was a pro rider what does it feel like to crash and he's like you can find out he said get your wife to get you in the car and go about 30 miles an hour and jump out in your pajamas <laughs> that's yes. what it feels like to crash as a pro cyclist <laughs> yeah there, there, you there you go there you go there you go highest speed crashes in a race um down in pensacola florida and we were at the, we were sprinting at the end they, they're a little bit of a downhill to, to finish this road race and so we're going like almost 35 miles an hour and the guy fell right in front of me oh nothing you can laid do. it down right in front of me and i'm like oh not even why i can't break can there's no there's nothing <laughs> nothing i can do did everything go so slow flipped, motion uh sort of i i I don't know if I had a concussion or what, but I I ended, I ended up in the hospital on that one, broke my collarbone. Mm, that, uh, was that the one where that was pretty serious one, right? Was that the yeah? The one? Not that one. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. That was September of 2017, and I broke my collarbone. Um, and, and I'm very very healthy cyclist. Collarbones usually heal up in just a few weeks, so I was actually back riding in about I don't know four or five weeks. Um, and, uh, and then I had, um, my, my most serious accident, I got hit by a car. Yeah. So that was November of 2017. Oh my goodness. So I just, just healed up from the, um, Gosh. the, the collarbone and was riding again. I was actually down at, near Chelsea, which is South, South of Birmingham and, uh, really rural road, County road 55 out there. And guy says he never saw me, just hit me. Mm. He was going roughly 55 miles an hour. Oh my gosh. Um, and I was very, very Ooh. thankful, fortunate to be alive, even. Sure. Because uh, it, it, I landed in his windshield. So it, so it popped me up in the air and I landed in his windshield. And when, when he slammed on the brakes, um, that propelled me forward at whatever speed, you know, presumably I lost contact with the car fairly quickly. So I'm going 50 something, you know, maybe not quite 50 miles an hour, but I'm, I'm launched forward. Um, and that, what reminded me of this too, was the whole <laughs> jump out in your pajamas because <laughs> that ended up being the worst of this was the road rash, rash um, <laughs> at that speed. Um, 
so I ended up having some real, real bad problems on my foot, which somehow took the worst of it because it had pulled out of my shoe, just pulled me right out of my shoe. And somehow that, that ended up being the worst of the thing. So very, and of course a horrible concussion. I don't remember anything from that. Um, mm. So, um, so yeah, so I'm very, very grateful to um, <laughs> still be able to ride. Yeah, no so. doubt. Oh, yeah. Brian, um, when we were hanging out this summer um, doing some of the faith and learning stuff at Sanford, um, we started talking about cycling and you mentioned that you were in the race across America. Mm-hmm. Um, was that in 2019 or, or eight? when was that? That was also 2017. 2017. So, um, so in the summer of 2017, I did the race across America. Uh, in June. So this was pre and, the, and the, before your right before all. Yeah. Irish right. Before, and then your November. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that was quite a summer. <laughs> a summer in the fall. Very eventful. Very eventful year. <laughs> and I had actually done it once before in 2015. So I, I did race across America in 2015. Um, learned a lot. Um, and, and knew, I knew it wasn't my best. I mean, I, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> did not know what I was doing. Did not know about, I, I had been training so many miles and I feel like I was sort of prepared, but you don't normally just ride 3000 miles in one shot. And I, I had not, I had not made the connection of piecing together all these long rides. Yeah. Cause in my head leading up to this, I'm thinking, okay, just 300 mile rides, just 10, 300 mile rides, just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that that lasts really well for about a day, <laughs> and then by the time you got to do that that second one, you're a wreck. Um, but you know my crew, which was amazing, helped oh. get me through it. Um, but I rode way too fast in 2015, and so when I did it again in 2017, I actually dialed my speed back, and I finished um, uh, 12 hours faster. And, and because a more consistent speed I, I wasn't such longer. a wreck. Yeah. Yeah. I could, sl- I, yeah. I, I, the, that first year I was off the bike so much because I had to, I mean, I was, I was over my body. I was going past the limits of my body for sure. Um, but in 2017, uh, you know, you're, you're pushing those limits for sure. Still was pushing them, but I ended up like, um, even though I was, I think it was a, a mile an hour slower which is a lot a over lot. that distance, yeah. but I stopped, I was stopped for 24 hours less. Wow. And that ended up working out to being 12 hours faster. So, so there's a real interesting dynamic there. So on, so that race is, you said 3000 miles, 3000 miles. How, yeah. how long did it take you to do the 3000 in 2017? So in 2017, it was right at 10 days. So, uh, oh, so, so you're doing the 300, 10, 10 days, 300 miles a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then 2015, it was like 10 and a half days for, for all of uh, our listeners who, you know, just to kind of tell you the humility and the humbleness of, of Brian, I was, <laughs> we were talking about it and, and I asked him the question we we're talking about this summer. And I said, so did you accomplish your goals? You know, I never want to ask, Oh, you know, what did you place? You know, that's never something I ask endurance athletes because everybody has different goals and they have different things that they're trying to achieve, you know, personal records and all that. And so I say, did you accomplish your goals? He said, you know, uh, yeah, I I came up, I came in third overall, but I was the first American and I'm like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting, I'm sitting like like cycling royalty here. And and like, it's just, just, 
<laughs> casually uh-huh. mentioning, you know, this this amazing race that he did. And it, I, I remember I was at Sanford whenever you were doing that. I didn't know you at the time, but I know Dr. Hines, uh, she was uh-huh. kind of helping us to keep in touch with you as you would go. And so uh, that's awesome, man. Just third overall and first American. What an accomplishment, man. Just congratulations on that. Oh, well, thank you. But you know, that actually ties back into the Paris Breast Paris that I did this summer. Um, and again, completely different, even though it's, it's, it's a bit shorter. I mean, it's, it's much harder, but you basically do in a 760 mile ride, you know, the, 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 with no sleep, yeah. as opposed to doing 300 miles and then sleep 300 miles and then sleep, you're knocking yeah. out 760 miles. That's a different ball game. Yeah. That's, that's a different, different, um, Anyway, so it does tie back to my 2015 Ram and 2017 Ram, the race across America. Um, the the guy who won the 2015 race across America um, got second at Paris Brest Paris wow. this year, and the guy that I was one place ahead of in 2017 got third um, <laughs> in in Paris Brest Paris this year. Wow. Um, those guys are seasoned veterans in this and this was another learning experience for me um in in kind of kind of like it was basically 2015 all over again i i went out way too fast and ended up really paying for that and cost me so much time Uh, do you feel like you'll do that race again i would love to do this race again it's only held once every four years um and it's considered the oldest organized cycling event in the really? world. Yes, wow. yes, they. That's they, very uh, cool. The the they they had some early editions from it, like in the early 1900s. But then the current form they started in 1931, and they've been doing it ever since then. Um, and incredible. now it's settled on every four years. They've been doing that for the past few decades every four years they they've been doing it and i think there's some strategy i mean i don't know all of the the reasoning behind that but i think it's really smart because the french people turn out like anything for this Mm. this race um and maybe they would do that anyway but i gotta think it's because it's only every four years that you know it's like a, a special thing that happens and it really is amazing to see these people out in the middle of the night um i mean it's two o'clock in the morning and you have i mean sometimes it's just even kids out there uh just screaming and hollering at wow. at, at riders as they come through it's it's a lay a lay you know it is would, incredible gosh there's so many like details and the minutiae of of racing and those are like you said two very different races and so mm-hmm. i could totally geek out with you on all the, like the you know, the things that you're doing and nutrition and all that. But one thing like what recovery for Ram for race across America, those nights, what are, what are things that you were doing recovery wise? You know, are you sleeping in a hotel room, you know, are you hard, hardcore, you know, popping a tent? What, you know, what does that look like? So, so we did it very different between 2015, 2017. We had an RV and that's what most people do. They rent an RV for race across America because, um, you have you have a support crew and they have to sleep mm. and they haven't necessarily been training for the <laughs> yeah. uh, you know 24 hour stretches of riding and so what we did both years what we did both years was was split the the crew into 
in half. And basically you were on for 12 hours and then you were off for 12 hours. And a lot of times I would ride for a good 24 to uh, 27 hours and then sleep for a couple hours and then get going again. Um, So in 2015 though, we, so we, we had an RV for both years in in 2015. I, I slept in the RV when, when it was time to sleep. And there was a little bit of a problem because that RV was, was very accessible and since I had already gone out too hard and real convenient, was, just, yeah, it was just, super I'll just, convenient. I'll just, take, I'll just take a nap. I'll just take exactly, a nap. <laughs> exactly. Just, uh, just so a, 2017, I'm nap. like, nope, nope. I I, st- I studied that route. I did it both years, but I studied that route and I, I Google Map and I did this all myself. I mean, I had an amazing crew, but I, I this was part of my race preparation. Is I figured out exactly where hotels were at at these points these these mileage which is why i ended up having to ride like 27 to you know 24 to 27 sometimes 28 hours to get to the hotel mm-hmm. and i was bound and determined to make it to that hotel wow. it didn't matter how tired i was i was like i i really pushed myself and i think that was also a little bit part of of why i was able to to knock so much time off is like, I, I wasn't going to take the easy out and just sleep in the, you know, the RV. Tempting though. Um, but we still, have, we, we still had the RV for 2017, but it was for the crew. Mm. They, they, they slept in that, um, you know, and then I would go on with the other part of the crew. Um, and then we would all sort of rendezvous at that next hotel where I would sleep and, and then, rotate again there totally solo or you got some pacers or other riders alongside you no they have some pretty strict rules you have to for um all of these events sure. well i mean paris 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 is a little bit different but for uh race across america and the other one i did the off-road one tour divide um you you, you uh you can't have anybody that you you're riding with um they do have so one thing though is you are allowed to ride with other racers for 15 minutes mm. um and, and per day so mm. like if there's another rider which is kind of which is awesome actually because if you're out there and another rider is catching you it's usually not you're you're both going not super fast <laughs> <laughs> and so so they're so they're catching Far you fast <laughs> and when they do catch you it is like so awesome to be able to chat with someone mm. other than your crew, yeah. you know, to have another racer who's experiencing the same thing. And that I think that's part of the only reason I finished on the very first, the very first day I had some pretty bad heat problems. Um, the desert, cause you start in California, go through the desert, of Southern California. Um, and the desert was actually having a heat wave that year. Mm. So, so we had 120 degree um temperatures on that after the first night so so that so waking up that next morning i just ridden through the night and you get you get going i mean or you're you're still riding into that morning and what got me was it was like 90 i don't know it was in the 90s by like 9 a.m and coming from the south that's like they're that's bad you know that's not gonna end well yeah exactly (laughs) i'm like it is 90 degrees at 9 a.m so there was a little bit of a mental aspect there but i was definitely having some some problems too with the heat some i don't know heat exhaustion type problems i couldn't Mm. see i couldn't see right and so that's when um 
we we hit this this town called Hope, <laughs> Hope, Arizona. We had crossed over the border. You 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 do you do the California. Um, you make it it across the border around the the faster guys do. They make it in, uh, into Arizona fairly early, and then you're you're trying to you're trying to actually you're racing the sun to get high enough um, out of the low because you go down you go down below sea level at the the bottom of California there, and then into Arizona you're a, few, a, a hundred feet or hundred fifty feet below sea level on the course and then you climb up to like 5,000 feet and then eventually you climb up into Flagstaff, yeah, Arizona. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to get it before it's too hot. Well, it was nine o'clock in the morning. It was already 90 something degrees and I was maybe at 2,000 feet um, or whatever Hope is, Hope, Arizona. Um, and there was a gas station there and I know it's a long story, but there's gas station there crew took me off the bike and was like you need to oh because that's the other thing they told us when we rented the rv it's got a good ac but it will only cool 20 degrees below the outside temperature so if it's 120 degrees the inside of that rv was 100 degrees and it really was i mean it wasn't much relief at all so there there was a gas station in hope and they set up a little uh or my crew had a little like sleeping bag cot thing um, and so I just lay down there in the corner of the gas station where they, you know, it had a little bit more powerful AC to, um, uh, you know, it was, I don't know, it was probably in the eighties in that gas station though. Um, but it, of course it felt awesome. I was there for five hours. All right. I'm almost finished with the story. <laughs> so I was there for five hours in that gas station and I come out and a friend of mine from Georgia, um, I think we we're the only two people from basically the southeast doing the race that year. Um, a friend of mine that I knew from Georgia happens to be rolling through the gas station. So I had been five hours faster than him because I'd been in that gas station for five hours. Um, because because again, remember, I went out too hard and was riding too fast. Um, he happened to be riding by right as I was going. So we got to ride together, and I still credit Eric. His name's Eric, and I still credit him with me finishing that race. Wow. Because that the motivation that the encouragement that we both gave each other mm. for that time that we got to ride together was winning your sales, man. Crucial, you know. <laughs> wow. So man, a lot anyway. of time, a lot of time in the saddle. Um lots yeah. of things you've seen, places you've been. What you look back on those adventures, if you will, what are some how how have those things changed you, Brian? Yeah. Well, um, I, well, the first thing that springs to mind, um, is the, the world's a lot smaller <laughs> than you think it is. <laughs> um, because you know, I can, I can hop on my bike and I, I've done this. I've, I've hopped on my bike and I've rode to Michigan. Um, I actually taught, taught a class at Sanford. Um, you know, you know, at, at Sanford, we teach the Monday, Tuesday, but a, a lot of other places get that whole week off. So my family had 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 already left to go up to Michigan for Thanksgiving. Um, so I taught my class on Tuesday and then just rode up there <laughs> to, you know, to meet them for Thanksgiving. And you think like Michigan is so far away, even, you know, driving or something, you know, not really. You can you can bike there if you want. Um, and then also I've done the same thing with Colorado. Um 
just left and just just ridden straight out there um and 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 then this past summer so so not so 2022 i did a race from which part of the reason i do have the map back here um is it does have enough of the Continent. the continent to capture the race um but it goes from up in canada down to the um Mex- down into well it, it stops at the border so you have a race that that follows the uh, rocky mountains all the way down is there to, a netflix documentary about that race there I, yes there is the ride the divide yeah. i think there's I've one called that. ride the divide i've watched oh, that wow. before um and that was filmed a few years ago so i mean it's still ba- pretty much basically the same thing but um the uh i did it just last year wow. so 2022 um and it, it is a it's a challenge uh, it's a challenge it's a survival yeah. i mean it's really you, you're out there in the wilderness yeah, with grizzly you bears yeah, you don't have a you don't have your rv following you around <laughs> no, no 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 it's very very different in that respect Man. yeah and i still have my bear spray um hey bear hey, hey bear <laughs> You know, and and uh, um, but this year was or that year, the New York Times wrote up an article about it because they had to rescue they, the Canada had to the Canadian um, uh, while they, they they had to rescue 13 people by helicopter oh, um, because there was a, a snowstorm. Oh, my gosh. So there's a snowstorm. And this is the middle of June. I was about so to we ask start you, what, on, when do you start that race? You start on, we started on June 12th and about three days in, uh, there, there was a snowstorm that dropped over a foot of snow. Um, and wow, I was, I was South of it. I I had ridden. So it really got the people who were doing it on a more leisurely pace. Um, so those are the ones who were in the bulk of it. I got rained on. Um, I was far enough south into Montana by that point, but the people who got rescued were were back up in Canada. Um, the um, man, I bet some beautiful yeah. sights though. Oh, it was amazing! Gosh. It was so amazing. Um, and the the Canadian Rockies, um, they're not as high. The Canadian Rockies, there, they're they're a bit lower than like Colorado. But the thing about Colorado is the whole the whole area is elevated mm-hmm. whereas whereas those canadian rockies they feel a lot sharper and they feel like they're just right there maybe because the peaks aren't so far away mm-hmm. but you're riding through this and you you've just got these huge snow-covered mountains just everywhere <laughs> and then the, the thing about that race though is you go over the passes and every pass you went over was a lot of hike a bike through the snow really? uh yeah, m- wow. miles and miles of oh, of walking. That sounds post-holing. exhausting. Oh they they gosh. call it post holing, where you're you're sinking down into you know sometimes several feet of snow that that's been there for however long you know the whole winter, but you're sinking down into that as it's melting too, so it's all Slushy. wet. Yes, yes, and uh, so you're 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 going through that. That was it was very very are you, hard. Are you taking a tent? Are you basically bike? packing the whole the whole way so yeah it is considered a bike packing race but the really fast guys and i i really again it is kind of a theme you know 2015 trying to you know race race across america as fast as i can always learn a lot well i yes so 2017 i didn't take a tent um the fast guys don't take tents um because you can you can find places 
you can find places to sleep. Eventually you get to the lodges. Um, but even early on, you, you, you have a lot of vault toilets. Um, and so I ended up sleeping, they call that a Montana Hilton. Um, so, so I, I only ended up sleeping at one Montana Hilton. Um, but you know, the, um, there's place there's there's shelter that you can find but you're more limited and because of all that snow early on and my realizing just okay this is legit dangerous here um i would call it early so you know like if if i'm riding on one of my adventures around here i have no problems just riding straight through the night um crossing these passes with the snow no. I was just not going to do that no. at night with bears, uh, grizzly bears coming out of their hibernation. Um, yeah, that snow melt means that that's 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 wake up time. <laughs> so so I I would call it early, and if there was a hotel, a lodge or whatever, I would say okay, I'm st- I'm stopping here. So yeah, not um, only very are they quickly, waking up, but they're waking up hungry, hungry, <laughs> <laughs> hungry. And I, I never, I, I saw, um, I saw four bears and they were all in, uh, glacier, glacier national park or right beside that in Montana. Um, two, two grizzlies, a mama, a mama grizzly and her cub. And then, um, uh, two black bears and it was all the same, same day. Pedal faster. Um, faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the world, so you said the world is small. Uh, much smaller yes. than you realize. What are what are some things you learned about yourself? You know, through through all of this. I mean, this is a lot of suffering and endurance, and you know, there's dark nights of the soul on these races. You know, I know, and yes. you know, I feel like Ironman feels like very minuscule compared to the things that you've done. But you know, in the what? back half of Ironman, you know, you have a lot of soul searching. You know. Oh yes, yes. I did. I did the 2006 Ironman Florida. The I walked the second half of that marathon. Um, I most of mine, so it's okay. <laughs> I tried to trot the first half, and then it was like, nope, I'm walking the next 12. Yeah, I did that um, I did that in 2015. I did Panama City, Ironman, Florida. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, the uh, No, but I still haven't finished my race report from 2017. I still have a draft in my my cycling blog, and I, I at this point, I'm probably not going to finish it, but I made it to Kansas in the race report. <laughs> so I have this, this detailed write-up of everything all the way to Kansas. And then I stopped because Kansas was quite traumatic. Blackout. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the, the, we had a tailwind coming out of Eastern Colorado. That was sweet. Oh, I bet so it, it was. <laughs> it, it, it was like a, a 20 mile an hour, you know, tailwind you couldn't feel any wind so it was however fast you were going that's how fast the tailwind was um and uh and it switched so, it, so and it switched oh, it was a no. horrible 180 oh. and, and 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 the crew my actually my wife my wife was on the crew both years and she, she she calls me on the cell phone because we didn't fool with the radios it was uh what that was something we learned in 2015 was those radios that you try and use uh no i I could never hear. I could never hear anything. So I just keep my cell phone um, on the mounted on the bars and she just put on speakerphone and then we could talk that way. Anyway, she calls me from right behind. <laughs> so she calls me and says, hey, um, there's a storm coming and um, it's not looking good. 
And so when that storm came, it, it totally flipped that wind and it was bad. And this was right as we're going into Kansas, which is notorious for, um, you know, being relatively flat and very windy. And we had this one night that trying to get to the hotel, we're trying to get to that hotel. And I mean, I just broke down. I mean, I was sobbing. Um, like I, I, that hotel, I cannot make it to that hotel. And I was doing everything I could. And, and the thing about it is too, is as a racer, you are convinced that everybody else has a tailwind and there's no way to convince yourself that, you know, no, everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's struggling with the same thing. It, at least in my mind, I just could not make it past that. I'm thinking everybody else is flying and I'm, I'm going five miles an hour, you know, on a flat road into this 30 mile an hour headwind. Um, so in yeah, in that, that life though, yeah, don't we do that in life? I, yeah. I, I'm it. I'm the only one with a, a 40 mile an hour headwind, not going anywhere. Mm. Exactly. Until I'm you, the only one until you finally say something to somebody, like, you know what, man, me too. Yeah. And mm, you yeah. discover that, you know, I think there's so many people that are going through similar things, but they don't say anything and they think they're the only yeah. ones. And there's yeah. so much like rest and like oh, when you finally find out, you know, oh, I'm not the only one. You know, I think yeah. we do that not as not only as racers, but also, you know, just as humanity in general. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like I'm not going yep. anywhere. <laughs> but yep. I, I, I a headwind is the of, worst. Like yes. there's no relief. Yes. You know, you're going up a hill, there's the downhill, but a headwind right. it just never stops. Right. And 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 from being around here, I'm just used to all the all the hills that we have in Birmingham and and it's just unusual to be like on such a flatter area where you you're not even going to have a downhill anyway. No. So you're 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 into this headwind and there's there's just nothing. There's no relief. You are literally just going forever. It's like you said, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Going back to that, I, you know, I feel like you know probably the, the reflection piece. You know, I feel like that's such a. Um, I think that's part of this toxic masculinity. You know, where we don't mm-hmm. want to be vulnerable with each other because right. we think that we're the only ones that got this struggle. Yeah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and and kind of realizing that you know what everybody's going through some stuff. Everybody's got a headwind. That 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 speaks really well to um, just being able to open yourself up and you know, ask for help or at least say, Hey, is anybody else in the same situation as me? I need, I need somebody to have a headwind beside me. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and I I think, I mean, part of the reason, part of the reason I did these races, 2015, 2017, was really the challenge of it. And I think I learned a lot. Like I, I say, I haven't, I haven't finished that blog and I probably won't. I just, I mean, I'm so busy now anyway, but the, um, uh, but I did make it through it. Incredible crew to help, you know, tell me, you know, tell me over and over again, you can do this, you can do this, you know. Um, but I, I really haven't struggled like that. And I, and even with the 2022, I mean, it was different, the tour divide and all the snow and all the, all, all the challenges with that. Um, you know, I think my mindset has changed a little bit. It's like, no, I mean, I can make it through this. It might take longer than I expected, but I can make it through this. And so I think it is helpful, you know, these challenges to, to, you know, put into perspective 
uh, there is an end. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not infinite. <laughs> it's not going to go on forever. <laughs> that, that there will be, uh, you know, and I think that that has been helpful. So what I think I have learned lesson. that. You know, there's a great clip uh, of uh, I think it's uh, Tom Hanks, and he's sitting in this room with several other actors, some of them older, some of them younger. And uh, he's like, one of the things I wish I could tell my younger self is this too shall pass. Yeah. You know, he's like, hey, you're winning all these awards, you know, and you're making all this money. This too shall pass. You know, yes. <laughs> this is a great. He's like, yes. things are terrible and it's awful. And you think it's always going to be this way. Hey, this too shall yes. pass. You know, it's like, well, what a great word. Because I think about that, yeah. I, you know, is what I, I, I work with a lot of families and, you know, and I'll meet young families that just had a little baby. And I don't know if you have any children or anything, but you have these. Mm-hmm. There are those moments, you know, when, you know, maybe you have a colicky baby or there's just no sleep and you think it's always going to be this way. You know, I'm, I'm exhausted. The baby's never going to stop crying. We're never going to have another night out together alone, you know, again. No, this yeah. too shall pass. It's not going to last forever. You can make it. You, you're going to make it. I promise. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is great. That's like a mantra in in the ultra cycling community is uh this too shall pass. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's yep. so good, man. Brian, yeah. you're doing some really fantastic uh, research um, with with along with your cycling. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Well, so uh, it actually happened in 2017, dramatic year. <laughs> what a great so, year to do it. I mean, all of the other wow. things. <laughs> so race across America and then uh, broken collarbone and then getting hit by that car. But it was really getting hit by that car. Um, it was Shelby County Road 55, which I've ridden a bunch. And it is a very low traffic road. And and just out of that project, I wanted to know, well, how many cars it passed me on that road, you know, or what, you know, what what is the actual traffic count on that road? And Garmin had just invented, I think, about a year a year earlier this is the tail light the tail light thing the radar tail light yeah, yes yeah. they had just they had just released that the, the first version of that about a year earlier yep. than this 2016ish yeah i remember seeing that um and um and i had it i had the radar but the the garmin just the garmin just straight out of the box is just a safety feature to show you the approaching cars right. they don't do anything with the data they just throw all the data away so what what I did, what my research is, I created an app for the Garmin to record the data. Um, and so it'll display the data. Oh, that's the other thing is they just show you a dot, which is very handy for safety, which I rely a lot, a lot uh, I rely upon a lot um, just in my everyday riding to know how many cars are coming, you know, and where, you know, so those dots are super helpful. Yeah. But what I did was also put a, a data field where you can see, you know, how fast the the, the closest cars going, um, and then also um, the count, how many cars have passed you so far in the ride. Wow. You can lap count it to, if you want to do some on the bike. Okay, on this road, let's see how many cars pass me on on the on this road. Um, and so, so I've got field that displays that information and it records everything, all the raw data too, all the raw radar data, it records all that into the, uh, the ride file. Um, and, uh, one of the things I did this summer, so I, so I, I created that 
while I was still recovering from getting hit. <laughs> the idea kind of came for me Pass after that. a little that time and some inspiration. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. So I started it back then. So that was into 2018 because that was the end of 2017. So in 2018, had the first version up around sometime summer of 2018 um, and refined it over the years. And just now this past, so 2023, I finally did the extra piece where when you finish your ride, it'll automatically sync up with Garmin connect and show you the ride data there. And it will also come across to my website, mybiketraffic.com, um, where you can see exactly where the cars you had. It was a manual process. You had to manually upload the rides. Mm. And so I, uh, I had a lot of people who are using the app. It's been downloaded like 45,000 times. Wow. Um, but uh that's just on the garmin i only had you know uh a, a few thousand thousand users um who would actually use the website and then most of those people weren't very consistent because there's a you have to manually go into yet another website and upload your ride even myself i'd go months w between uploading rides mm -hmm. to my own website <laughs> so um so this summer i finally just made the whole thing automatic and it's amazing how many more people are actually using it and now once you get that sync process set up every single ride you do that you got the radar you got all this data so now i've got data from like 75 different countries of where people have have ridden and and um it's been interesting and that's some of my research right now is to to take all that data and start to make some reports and comparisons um and and hopefully it, i'm actually working with a couple uh sanford students seniors um doing research internship this well actually this semester is spring right now um and just met with them today and we are um we're doing my, my other area of, of expertise is artificial intelligence. Um, and there's a lot of work in video uh, classification of video data using these AI algorithms. And, um, and so I'm teaming up with them and we're going to be looking at all, all the video data that I've got to try and correlate how people pass with the design of the road. Mm. Uh, so like if the road has a, uh, a, a six inch shoulder versus a one foot shoulder. Mm -hmm. How wide, how wide is the road itself? Is there a rumble strip? Um, is there a passing lane or not a passing lane? Um, is there, well, is there a bike lane? Oh, yeah. What, 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 what are all these things? And then how does that correlate back to all the data? Um, so that, that's what I'm working on right now. That's and it's interesting. It's, so it's exciting. I, I really like it. Yeah. That's very interesting. A lot of, a lot of data. Is any of that of interest to like, say Alabama department of transportation? That's, that was my that's, question. That was my, next yeah, question. that is my, that is my ultimate goal. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't done a lot with the data yet. So I, I'm, that's part of my very, like, cool. very current research Love that. Uh, is, is to contact people like, and, and not just like states, but also cities, mm -hmm. city planners, um, yep. contact mm -hmm. the city planners and, um, you know, other transportation uh, planners. I know even Homewood recently, I know they were doing this because I ride everywhere in Homewood, Hoover, Vestavia, but I know Homewood was doing some, uh, the chicanes. They were putting mm -hmm. some um, chicanes in some of the neighborhood just to try and cut down on people speeding through all these neighborhoods. Um, and so it'd be interesting to to have sort of an on the bike hmm. 
the view of cool. uh, that kind of road design and the impact on yeah. on on cars. And I love they were that, trying man. to do that. They were they were testing that in my neighborhood uh, in yep. Forest Brook, and it was a it didn't go well. People just busted straight through the straw. Did they really? Oh man! I know. I would see that. I'd be like, "Oh look, somebody just drove right over it." <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, watch this chicane, chicane what?" It's in the old F one fifty. Oh yeah, you're not gonna like Ace Ventura. <laughs> I did. I did notice that when I was riding wow. through there. Rut, ruts right across it, huh? Wow, <laughs> Brian, what's um, you know, what is something that you've learned about your faith or about God through spending so much time on the on the outdoors on your bike? I mean, um, what are some reflections that you've had um, from a spiritual side? Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I mean, one is definitely God's creation. You know, just the beauty of the outdoors but you saw I mean, some that beautiful is, sun sunrises oh, and sunsets and oh yes oh yes i love the sunrise sunset i mean sometimes it's the same ride uh i did one recently well the paris the paris one i did one yeah. recently yeah so it was the paris one was a sunrise sunset sunrise sunset ride so yes, so man. you saw all those that's, <laughs> in that's one ride incredible. Uh, and and they were actually the 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 sunset on the one day was these beautiful uh um flowers um the uh, oh, well, I'm losing the name. Sunflowers. Yeah. The sunflowers. Yeah. Just giant sunflowers. Fields of them. Uh, all lit up. Um, this is coming the one way. And then the sunrise the next morning, I got this good picture of the Austrian that I was riding with um, and with the sun sun coming up. And um, so so there's that. And of course, all the mountains and the snow and everything. So so you do you do have that. Um but also, yeah, there's a lot of time for reflection, you know, thinking about, well, uh, relationships and, you know, my uh, uh, family, family relationships and, you know, being thankful. I mean, half the time I'm just sitting there, you know, well, how do I get to be so lucky to be out here still alive <laughs> and, you know, able to to do to do this? And so, you know, just the appreciation the thankfulness um, for that is is been phenomenal. Um, yeah, so man, that's 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 awesome. I can't imagine seeing the Rockies like you saw them. You know, I mean, that's that's just uh, being able to see that and and just appreciate God's bigness. You know, you say the well, world is a lot smaller place, but I feel like it makes God feel a lot bigger. <laughs> oh yeah, well, okay, so perfect example. You start out with those Canadian Rockies, and of course, you want to take. A, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm not by any means a, a, a very good photographer, but I have my, I, you know, my phone which I can take, you know, pictures with. And um, I mean, you just want to sit there and take pictures of every single thing. Sure. You know, yeah. I mean, it is incredible. Yeah. Um, and so you have all that at the beginning, and you finish in the desert. And um, what happened, what happened is the day before I finished, there had been um, a storm somewhere in the desert. I didn't get rained on, but you could see, I could kind of see over there. Well, it, it there was a flood. Oh, so wow. out of that was a flood. Sure. And by the time I made it to this one 
part of the course. I mean, it was several feet under rushing water. And so I called, there's, there's a guy, this is kind of, so this race is like, I mean, it is definitely a race, but it's also underground kind of race, <laughs> if you will, you know, like nobody wants to have liability <laughs> sort of. So it's, but there is kind of one person who coordinates everything. And anyway, I know a guy. Uh, okay. I know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so I have his number and, uh, or he gives, you know, uh, did I text him? Is his name Vinny? Is his name Vinny? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I said, hey, man, there's a raging flood on this road. The, the police are not letting, I mean, there's police that, you know, I cannot, I physically cannot cross this. And so, and I mean, it wasn't that big a deal. I just, there's three mile detour where I could go around a bridge. Um, but, you know, you're supposed to follow the course. So I wanted to find out, you know, make sure, hey, is this Okay. And what do we need to, you know, how do you need to communicate that? So we communicated that to the other racers too. But anyway, so, so I went around. Um, but anyway, in his last text to me, he said, congrats, you know, congratulations, you know, you're, you're almost done. Um, enjoy the Separ desert. He's like, it is, it is going to be surreal. And it was. So I, I spent the night there in, the town that I was near after that spent the night and then had a hundred miles left and you go through this desert and it is about as opposite of Alabama as you can get. Um, like not a single tree, no trees, like no trees. <laughs> and, um, the, um, you, you were up high coming from com basically from coming out of the mountains and you could look out and just see, I mean, it, it wasn't like a flat desert or anything. There was rocks and mountains everywhere, cactus and, 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 and things like that, that you could just see stretching out, um, forever and, and extremely different from the Rocky mountains I had just come through, you know, at the beginning of the race. And, and it really was, it was very impactful to, to the, the, the difference, the, the different, um, environment mm. and, so it was that's amazing i love it he amazing. just nonchalantly got 100 miles left just you know just beautiful <laughs> through a just, desert through a just desert. a ride through the desert you know <laughs> all right couple a uh, couple quick hitters uh brian uh road bike or mountain bike <laughs> so now because of the because of the paris best paris ride after i finished um that bike which i did on my salsa which is gravel bike um and i i absolutely salsa gravel those bike are cool i love those I had salsa cutthroat and it's a, it, it was specifically made for the tour divide. Like really? it is the course. I mean, it is a bike that just has the right geometry for bike packing. Yeah. It has a map. That's the one I've looked so at. I was like, I would, I would like to have that. Cause I would like to do some bike packing. Not, not to that extreme. I mean, it's got anything. room. It's got so much room for everything on the bike. So many mounts, bottles and uh, for bags and um, on the down tube, uh, it has a map of the Tour de oh, Bike, all cool. the cities that you go through painted on the down tube. Cool. Um, and it, it, I'd say about half the bikes, maybe maybe a little bit under half, but about half the bikes are that that people that race that race do it on that. That's like, that that's bike. not fair. That's right in between. That's like half road bike, half mountain bike. <laughs> but it's perfect for me because the the uh, the guys at the uh, at one of the shops at, um, here in town, when I'd bring in my road bike, they're like. 
Dude, this is what a mountain bike. This is what a mountain bike rider's bike looks like. What have you done? <laughs> and I, I would do. You know, I would go ride. I'd ride trails, gravel, everything on that road bike. So, so the gravel bike really made sense for me. Yeah. You know, I could still ride the road. You know, fast. Um. Well, you know, faster than a mountain bike. I could still, still, still ride pretty good. But then I could also just take it wherever I wanted to. It'll be my, my next bike purchase. That's probably what it'll it, be. It, it is a all round bike. It is awesome. Florida. I mean, if, uh, Florida is incredible. I love riding in Florida, and I I wouldn't want to ride in Florida on my road. I, I've done most of my riding in Florida on that gravel bike, mm. and it is incredible the 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 access you have, mm. um, uh, down there. Um on that bike, but I have been riding my road bike a lot more recently training for the, the Paris West Paris. Yeah. Um, and I probably will for a while. Um, just, you know, with the, the ultimate goal of going back, hopefully in four years. Um, but I do love that gravel bike <laughs> and I love mountain biking too, because I coach the, the mountain bike team. Um, I'm one of the coaches at the Spain park, uh, high school mountain bike team. Um, and cool. I I love riding with the kids. My both my kids have my my daughter's in college now, so so she's off the team. But my son is still racing. He's his last uh, high school senior, so he's racing one more year. That's awesome. So it's it's super fun to ride with with them I with bet. my own kids, I but bet. also the uh, the um, just all the kids on the team. It's been it's been fun. So I try and try and keep up. <laughs> I'm keep sure up you can. Kids. I'm sure you can keep up. <laughs> I feel confident you can keep up. So you, you eat all kinds of all kinds of things, you know, when you're riding that amount of time and amount of time in the saddle, you're, you know, whatever kind of food you can get, I'm sure. Yeah. What's one of your go-to nutrition things? You're like, this brings me so much comfort on the bike. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. So we got comfort and we got, we got, we got good nutrition. So I <laughs> try, I and they're both important. Honestly, they're both important, especially on the long distance stuff. But, um, the, uh, uh, we'll start with the good nutrition. Uh, I'm a fruit guy. So, uh, bananas and apples. Mm -hmm. Um, and those, the nice thing is, is you can, you can find those in, a lot of gas stations, right. not all the gas stations, but a number of them. Yeah. And and that's, that's almost my entire refueling throughout a ride is gas stations. Right. Um, Cause you can only you carry know, so and, much on your person. Right. Exactly. And so, so it's kind of funny, you know, you can have these fancy bars or something. Well, that's only gonna last like the first three hours or four hours of right. a twenty-four hour right. ride. So, so Ron's uh, got a bag, you know, got a bag ad in his his jersey pocket. <laughs> oh, well, that was that was France, though. That was that, that was one of the learning things. I, I do. How do you carry a charcuterie on a bike? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, well, seriously, that's what they had at the the checkpoints. So you had to, at these checkpoints. Meat and I mean, cheese. it was French baguettes, sandwiches. I mean, that was the big thing there, awesome. and the uh, the. Pana chocolate, the 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 pastries, these pastries that have chocolate filling. Oh, so so lots of pastries, and then you know, these like street waffles, the street waffles and stuff like that too. Uh, uh yeah, uh, not I did not see any waffles, but they would have some of these checkpoints would have full meals, so like pasta wow. and stuff, and you they a lot of these were at like schools, so school cafeterias. Um, and it would be like an official checkpoint that you went into. And that's part of the race to prove that you had gone to the whole course You could go and get something. Uh, uh, you had to get your, your, uh, brevet card is what they call it. Um, that's right. And that's so cool. Uh, you have I, it? Looking to see I do. Let's go. Uh, I don't know. Get it. Get it. That's cool. I love um, that. The, uh, 
don't know how well it'll come across in the camera, but each town, each town has their own unique stamp. Oh, that's awesome. The, the like a little passport. Yes. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, so I, I had a crazy trip to get back to Birmingham that involved taking a train from Paris to Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, so we call this, a, is, they call this a digital campfire and this would be your go-to campfire story. So tell us that story. <laughs> so, so, well, the, um, the, the thing about that was is it, it was kind of a, a, um, I hadn't slept in a while. Um, when I finished, cause it took you know, me about 60 it, hours. I have <laughs> Yes. It, yes. And it took it, that, that 60 hours was about, I would have been happy. I mean, I was super happy to finish super happy. Um, and I, I was shooting for about 10 hours faster than that. Um, and, and, uh, so, but this is, I'm not disappointed, <laughs> not disappointed, but I do think I can do it faster. Um, they, they do have an award for Americans specifically for Americans who can do it in under 56 hours. Um, and I just missed that. Um, and the, the the significance of that is one there's very few who do that but also um the first american who was able to finish this ride that was their time um and so they call it the charlie miller world war oh, cool. after this this american I, I don't know what year it was but it was a long time ago hmm. um and the uh, uh so you're exhausted so that, that is my goal i, I want to go back and do that but anyway my my trip you sh- I was so protective of this thing right here. <laughs> so protective. I was like, I am not losing this. You know, like, like my real passport is basically like, this was as important to me as my real actual passport. You know, I was not going to lose this. Yeah. And it's sitting up on my, my wall right here next to the, you know, computer, because it's very special to the way they do it. And, um, with each town and it's, it's an awesome memory. So, of a lot of suffering, but, <laughs> but also, you know, the, the camaraderie with the, the other racers, um, I'm, you know, friends with several of them now online and, um, it's just, just been, there's no uh, bond like the bond of suffering. Let's be real. Yes. <laughs> like those are, yes, those uh, are me and a guy too. from, uh, Pennsylvania, um, uh, Jeff, who, um, uh, we, we've already committed. He was also going for the Charlie Miller time and we ended up riding together for a while. Uh, he's from Pittsburgh. So like the Birmingham of the North or we're the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh of the South. Sister city, but anyway, yeah. um, the, uh, we we're already like, yeah, we're going back in 2027, get that Charlie Miller time. Gotta so. get it. So tell us <laughs> so. about the trip home. You said it was a, is a difficult one. So yeah. Train ride. Yes. Okay, planes, so trains and automobiles. Or we're talking like that series. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So I um I took the um so I was about 10 hours slower. I had already booked my train tickets. Um so I booked my train tickets from Paris to Amsterdam and then uh a separate ticket from Amsterdam to Copenhagen. And I had already booked the hotel. I was going to spend the night in Amsterdam. Um, and then spend the night in Copenhagen flying out the next morning. And I finished about three hours before my train left. No, I guess I finished about six hours before my train left. But one thing about this race is um, 
the the hotel that I found was 20, um, 27 miles, 27 miles from the start. So I had to ride. So the day before the race, I rode 20, I rode 27 miles to pick up my registration stuff, then rode back to the house or back to the hotel, 27 miles. And then the day of the race, I rode 27 miles to start, did the race. And then at three o'clock in the morning, I finished at three. So at three o'clock in the morning, I had to start my trip home to Alabama by riding 27 miles back to the hotel. Just a little cut recovery ride, that's all. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, and I was so sleepy. That 27 miles took three hours, and I fell asleep. So I was riding, and it was very confusing. The, the, uh, it was, it was, you know, I'm trying to follow Google Maps, bicycling directions, and it, it was super confusing because there was a combination of roads, um, bike. trails, bike trails, mm. and, and it was pitch black dark. Um, so I would get confused and lost, s- stop, straddle the bike, look at my phone, and then I would wake up. <laughs> like I would be staring at the phone and then I would sort of with a start realize I had fallen asleep. Oh my um, goodness. A- and, you know, and then that would kind of wake me up so I could then go some more. Um, figure out what what i was doing where i was going and and everything make it back to the hotel and i'm supposed to take uh public transportation um i i had the plan was to take a the metro into downtown paris where i could pick up the train but my my buddy luke so i i also did not do this race on my own bike so i borrowed my friend luke's bike which he had ridden and he's from here in birmingham so luke uh, a good good bit, buddy of mine who who's whose family he grew up in Homewood, um, good buddy of mine that I've ridden with forever. He's now doing uh, a ministry over in Birmingham, England. <laughs> so he's in England now in the other Birmingham, <laughs> and he's doing ministry there. And he, you know, I'm like, hey man, can I borrow your bike? And he's like, sure, I'll just ride it down. <laughs> so so he rode his bike down to Paris. Right. I, I picked up his bike or, you know, he rode to the hotel. Um, I swapped over the pedals and everything, rode his bike, picked up the registration stuff. And then when I finished the ride, I rode it back to the hotel where he had been. He, he was able to just stay there for the two days I was gone. And um, so he could see around Paris and everything. So I'm like, I, I get to borrow his bike and he gets to sightsee Paris. Like this is win win for <laughs> for everybody. Um, but anyway, uh, so he's like, do not get on the Metro. You are not going to make, you know, you are going to fall asleep and you're not going to, and he's right. So I ended up taking an Uber to the train station, get on the train, make it to Amsterdam. Amsterdam was incredible. It's, it's considered the, the number one place for biking in in the the world. world. Yeah. Um, and there were so many bikes, there were so many bikes and you have these canals and these bridges. And did I say there were so many bikes? I mean, there was, there was easily two, three times as many bikes as cars, maybe four times as many bikes as, as cars. And so me being the avid cyclist, I'm awake, (laughs) you know, yeah, I slept a little bit on the train and then I wake up. So I rented a bike. There was no way I was not going to ride a bike in Amsterdam. So I, uh, I walked to a a bike shop and rented a bike and just rode it around, just had a great time, ended up having a dinner. Um, 
get to the hotel. Keep in mind, I still haven't slept other than a little bit on that train ride um, to get to Amsterdam. And so I'm thinking I'm going to write up a blog. I'm going to. No. <laughs> so I fell asleep on the bed, you know, fully dressed, you know, basically nothing unpacked, which is very important because um, I woke up the next morning because it was it's basically too bright outside. <laughs> It's like, oh no, oh no. Oh, no. I had a seven o'clock train. I had a seven o'clock train. And um I woke up and I was like, uh, it's is very bright. And I mean alert. Fully alert. And it, it was six forty three. <gasps> so I had all of my stuff. You're already packed. Hard, You're already dressed. And I'm like, How I've convenient. Got, I've got exactly I've got one kilometer. I was one point well, one point one according to Google Maps walking directions uh 1.1 kilometers from the train station and um i grabbed my stuff and i ran and i had a lot of stuff so i had i had the two backpacks i probably had like 40 pounds of stuff between the two things so i'm sitting there running through amsterdam as fast as my little legs could go after I, having I, done I what you've done i could picture how i would be running after having ridden that many miles oh, i know just after the ride <laughs> so, so so i get to the train station at 656 okay so i get i make it there in whatever that is 13 minutes and so i was not running fast but i made it there at, at 656 um and uh, you already had a ticket is on the phone so the app, I, I, I have the app open and it worked first try. I, I threw the, the phone up there and they have a little camera to scan it and it worked to let me into the train station because they, they don't even let you into the back part unless you have a ticket. Um, so I was able to get in and this is like 656. And you have to make it through this train station to the right track. My train <sighs> was not the final destination. So the the city where i knew i needed to change trains was not not listed because it wasn't the final destination mm. so i just picked the train that was my time and there's a bunch of trains there so i'm like okay it's got to be that one so i, I ran up there I, I to the platform um at uh basically seven and the train was supposed to leave at seven and the conductor the one of the workers who was standing in the last car is way sees me running and is waving Right. He is waving at me to to come, you know, and so I run up there and he's like, get on, get on. Um, and uh, we leave. <laughs> and you're not completely sure that this is the right train, though, right? I, I wasn't 100 percent sure, <laughs> but I was like, it's seven o'clock. It's the only one they had the times listed. They had the times listed the next train. It was the only one that was my exact time. So I'm like, this is it was be. heading to Berlin. So it, 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 and, and I knew mo. I was changing trains <laughs> in Germany. So I'm like, I'm heading to Germany wherever this train goes. Surely. But I sat there on the floor for a good ten minutes, oh, I and I, like, I was like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. He's like, take it because he got on. He got on the train with me, and he's like, yeah, take your time. You don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> and so I sat there on that floor with my bags and stuff, just sitting there on the floor, probably a good 10 minutes. It's taking like, me I, 800 miles to get here on foot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was pretty uneventful then, uh, from then other than, um, oh, well, that, I mean, I, I, I could talk for hours though, but the, the, there was a, the very nice family from Switzerland at that train where I was supposed to switch, um, in a, another very busy train station and um 
I had to walk. This was the worst part. I had to get off the platform and walk up a, a pretty big flight of stairs. Your legs are just not a problem. gone. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't too much of a problem. I could, I could do one step at a time. I couldn't do step, step, step. I could do one step, bring the other foot up, one step, bring the other foot up. I, I could do that, no problem. But going down, because I had to go down to another platform, that was excruciating. Uh, and it took me a while to get down. And I'm like holding onto that railing, trying to support my weight and all the, the bags. bags and everything. Um, anyway, so I get down to, and I asked this lady, this very nice lady from Switzerland, you got, you got to keep in mind, there's probably a thousand people. There's easily a thousand people in this, this oh, area yeah. with 10 different trains, uh, maybe not 10, maybe six platforms, two sides, three, three different stairway. Anyway, you know, a bunch of trains, tons of people. And so I asked her, I'm like, uh, is this going to Copenhagen? And, um, and she's like, yes. Uh, and so, so I'm like, I did not want to. This is at the top of the stairs. I'm like, I'm not going down the stairs. Down. Um, I'm if, sure. If, if I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I go down there. And um, this is in Ham Hamburg, Germany. And down there, just got about 15 minutes. Um, not, not a long time. About 15 minutes till the train is coming. Then everybody leaves. There's, everybody just leaves and i'm like something just happened oh no right and and there was no announcement uh, or if it was it was in german um and they had changed our our platform so literally I have to go back up the stairs oh, and, and i ended up talking and most people could speak english so i ended up just asking somebody like hey where where's everybody going and they're, they're like they change platform go back to the same platform i, I got off on <laughs> back up the stairs oh, go back me. down to that exact same platform and uh and then by this point the train was of course they weren't going to just leave without all all of us everybody because there's a few hundred people a couple hundred people maybe just getting on this train um to copenhagen and um the train was was ready to leave though so we had to go and and, and get on the train um, and so again, there's, I don't know, eight cars, 10 cars in this train. And when, you know, I am sitting next to this woman, <laughs> so she, so, so I am sitting next to her, the same like, lady, she, the same Swedish lady, same lady, the same lady that I had <laughs> talked to was sitting next to me. And she was dying laughing because she was actually with her, um, her son and she was, she, she um, I mean, she, she's great. I mean, I could understand her, but her English was not like, you know, I mean, I mean obviously it was English as a second language, right? Mm -hmm. But um, she was so worried that the American, you know, the American, the American, he's, he's not going to make the train, <laughs> you know, because I was down on the other platform. And of course, we had gotten separated with all those people from, you know, from when I had first talked and to her. Up sitting by and her. then, and then I end up sitting right by her. Um and that was such a great, that, that, honestly, that train ride, we, we had six hours together and it wasn't just the way that was set up is it, there were six of us seated together in like one of those, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, booths or something. Yeah. There were six of us together and man, we had a great time. The six of us, cool. two from Switzerland. And then I think the other, the other, the other three people, uh, one was from Denmark, and then the other two people were from Germany. I wish train travel was more normal for the U.S. <laughs> it, it was, it was fun. It, it was, it was a great experience. Um, I wish I could have seen your face though when you woke up, like 
dude, where's my oh, car? <laughs> oh, that was it too. And I mean, I knew, I knew instantly, you know, based on oh, the no. light, I was like, it is. Yes. I was like, it is not dark out. I needed to leave when it was dark. Um, oh, and, uh, and then I saw the 643 and then that's like a whole other level. It's like, Oh, I can still make it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's like zero to 60, you wow. know, instantly. That's amazing. No, time, no time for coffee. No need for coffee there. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, plenty exactly. of coffee. Well, man, you've gosh, you've had so many adventures. My goodness, you've had so many adventures. What's uh, what's your next? What's your next adventure that you're you're planning for, or you have on the horizon? The 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 next one, um, and you know, it, it is a, you know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time to be away from family and everything. But I, I think I want to do the Trans America race, um, which is a four thousand mile self-supported road version of race across America. So it's kind of like the tour divide. So the tour divide is the off-road gravel version, yeah. 2,700 miles. Oh, uh, uh, I'll hold that thought for just a second. And then the trans America is 4,000 miles from Oregon to Washington, DC. And you, you just don't go straight there. You, is that the you, one that's, you go all over. That's not the one that's got the um, rail to trail system. That's in the Northern. It, it is. It uses a big chunk of that. Yeah, I want to do they, some uh, of that. That man, looks me too. amazing. It uses, I think the finish is all on that, but the the opening, they're actually doing something new for this year, for the first time, this coming summer, the first time they're going to give three route options. And I want to do the original, which is the long one, but they do have two shorter options, but I want to do that original one just because they've been doing it now for, I, I don't know how many years, but I want to do that, that route. Um, so that's, that's the next one. And I, I don't know for sure if it's going to be next year, because it is a lot of time. Uh, I mean, I could definitely do it next year. It's just a matter of does that work with family and what what are the other other things going on? Yeah. But um, that's amazing. That's that's my that's my next kind of big one. Man, <laughs> that's thinking. awesome, Brian. This has been so much fun, and, and thank you so much for the time that you spent with us tonight, and um, and just uh, all the cool things you're doing at Sanford and across the world on your bike. Uh, man, it's it's nice to know you. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on. This was, this was fun. It is, it is fun. Uh, it is really fun to tell other people about, I mean, that is half the reason I do these adventures is, is I want to, even from my undergrad days at Clemson, I, that, that's what really hooked me was, um, I, you know, starting there at Clemson, I, I'm on my own for the first time in my life as a freshman in college. And, um, you know, my parents dropped me off. I have my bike. I just go ride my bike into the mountains. I did that the day they dropped me <laughs> off. I took my bike and just rode it straight into the mountains. And I thought, yep, I found the right place. <laughs> so, this, and, is, this is your your place. <laughs> and, but the, the, the thing is, though, is I'd have all these adventures there. And so many times it was just by myself. And and I would, you know, missing being able to share that, wanting to to share that with other people. So, so half the time I'm doing this stuff, I want to, all my friends and everything, I just want to, I want to tell them the stories when I get back. And of course, I do have a number of friends who, you know, some really good friends here who, who uh, are up for, you know, those, those kinds of adventures. And so it is this, it, I always enjoy being able to, to go with, not by myself, you know, be able to go with a couple other guys um, to do a 300 mile ride in the middle of the night somewhere ride to, I was just talking with my friend Michael the other day. Um, we did this one ride and 
uh, we rode together all the way into Georgia. Um, we just left. <laughs> we just left like. How does your wife feel about that? Your, your wife's like, oh, well, see, she was leaving. Uh, so my wife was taking my wife was taking with a good friend of hers, her two kids and my two kids. This was ten years ago. So they're but you know our kids are still in elementary school. This was their spring break. Um, and this was the Friday of starting of the spring break. So they were going down to Disney World. Um, so I was gonna be my home for my week because Sanford spring break didn't line up with, uh, so I was gonna be home by myself all week anyway. So my buddy, Michael and I, Hey, let's, let's go ride to Georgia. <laughs> so we rode yeah. over, you know, and, uh, uh, so many, and that's, that's just a highlight for me to be able to do that with other people as well and share that. That's great. So, so, so all that's to say, thank you for inviting me on. So I could, well, so could relate some of, some of my stories. Well, I love hearing them. Anytime you want to share a story, you let me know. <laughs> well, I hope, uh, honestly, I know you talked about not finishing your journal, man. I hope you sit down and, and carve out some of those things and see what, uh, see what pours out of you as you, you recall some of those stories and those adventures yeah. from that race journal. You know, yeah. that's, that's such a good exercise to, to even if you said, I'm going to write the big, you know, the big memories down and, you know, who knows what might surface and how valuable that might be for, you know, for your family to go back and read one day. I mean, that's one of, you know, one of the motivations for us on this podcast is we said from the very beginning, if no one ever listens to this, our children will have a wealth of audio yeah. of their dads telling yeah. stories and having conversations and sharing yeah. you know their adventures uh re recorded for them to go back and listen to i would kill yeah. to have that you know yeah. my dad's voice recorded and to hear some stories that i heard him tell before but i can't really recall them and i kind of remember bits of them but to have a recording man that's gold and so that's one of the motivations behind you know what we're doing so man i hope you hope you do that you know sit down and yeah. go i think i need to finish that up and write it out even if it's yeah. like you know the cliff notes version of it you know it's so yeah. good or get you a microphone i should i, just, I gotta uh, make it past kansas you gotta make it get past the microphone and, and start recording the audio just start telling the story you know well my wife sprung this on me the other day she wants to start a podcast there you go she says there you it go. with me she's like she wants to do a a cycling specific you know from the wife's perspective and then you know all my adventures so she, she and that her there you she go. wanted to, oh, so uh, so yeah so, that'd be a but, treasure man let me know when you do yeah. that and, and we will we will share that with Absolutely. our listeners that would be a, a great thing well there's okay. nothing quite like balancing on two wheels and you're going fast yeah. enough to go somewhere but you're going slow enough to take in the sights around you man and it really is it's my favorite thing uh, I, I took some time off, you know, after Ironman and I really got into a physical, you know, just physically kind of a funk and couldn't get myself back going again. And then I realized, man, I miss riding my bike. I don't miss running. I do not miss running. <laughs> I'm with but, you. I'm with but you. But <laughs> man, I was like, I realized, man, I miss riding my bike. And so, I mean, yeah. I've been back, uh, I've been back on the trainer and uh, I'm waiting on a couple of actual parts uh, for my yeah. bike to get back on the road but it is it is a blast and man i hope that this inspires people to get maybe get back out on their bike because it does make you feel like a kid every time you yep. you ride it no matter how old you get you know you, you bounce on those two wheels and you go a little bit faster and it's like man it makes you feel like a kid and it brings it out and it's so good but we hope uh we hope these stories that you shared today encourage people to do that maybe to, to write their own stories and uh and share, you know, share these adventures in the place that we love to call the storied outdoors.
Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world, and building community. We love this local store and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information.